We are live. Hello, everyone. I am Sarah, your host. And of course, with me is my co-host, Dan, looking quite dapper today. Different than the last convention where you were wearing your Star Wars Disney t-shirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But now it's winter. Yeah. So you have to be a little more cozy, yeah. comfy cozy. That's totally what it is. That's totally what it is. I didn't just throw this on because I didn't realize we were doing video. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So this is... I'm going to put a little disclaimer out because we do a, a true crime podcast, if you guys did not know. And so, you know, while this is a holiday convention, we wanted to add a little holiday flair, but it's still true crime. So it's still a little morbid. So I'm just, I'm just going to throw that out there. So we'll get into it. On December 24th, 2008, a frantic 911 call came into Covina, California dispatch. The caller begged for emergency services stating, he's still shooting out there. He's shooting my whole family. My mom's house is on fire. Just before the attack, Neighbors saw a man dressed as Santa Claus approach the house on Knollcrest Drive, carrying what looked like gifts. As he approached the front door of the home, eight-year-old Katrina Yuzovpolsky ran up to greet Santa, as eight-year-olds normally would. She was excited to have a visit from the mystical man. However, when the door swung open and Katrina approached, the man dressed as Santa shot her, hitting her in the face. Her mother, Letitia, was the 911 caller. Jeez, the hell shoots an eight-year-old? Right. Was he actually dressed like Santa or was yes. that just... He was actually dressed like Santa. He actually, so um, I'll get into who he is in a little bit, but um, he actually rented a vehicle, uh, um, a blue Dodge, I believe it was, rented a vehicle. He had multiple vehicles at his home. He rented a vehicle in order to go commit this crime. So his neighbor actually um, said to news that they remember seeing him leave his home in this blue car and they thought it was very strange because he obviously he had other vehicles at his house so they were like why is he leaving right. in right in this yeah, car? that's a weird thing to do um but no he was 100 percent dressed as santa he had um gifts wrapped um not really sure what's going on with chandler right now <laughs> Sorry if you hear the puppy. Um, so, yeah, he went to this house, dressed as Santa, carrying gifts. The eight-year-old was the one to approach him, and um, they, unfortunately, she was hit in the, in the face. She was the first one. 
So he specifically went to that one house, though, or he yes. was going like he specifically went to that, that house. one house. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I guess we're going to learn more about what his association is with that particular family. We absolutely will. So those gifts Santa had brought to the home were actually two nine millimeter semi-automatic handguns, as well as a homemade flamethrower on a trolley. Oh, that's that's kind of messed up. Yes. After shooting Katrina by the front door, he began shooting at the other individuals in the household. So you see, on this Christmas Eve, a family had gathered to celebrate the holidays. And among that family was Sylvia Pardo. Sylvia Pardo had just finalized her divorce with Bruce Pardo about one week prior to the party due to what they considered irreconcilable differences. Bruce agreed he would pay Sylvia $10,000, and she got to keep the engagement ring, as well as their dog, Saki. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what kind of dog he was. Something Japanese. Probably, yeah. Maybe like a chow or something. Yeah. Close enough. And so if you haven't guessed... Bruce Pardo was the man dressed as Santa. He came to the home as retaliation against his ex-wife, Sylvia. After shooting partygoers, Bruce then used his homemade flamethrower and sprayed racing fuel to set the home on fire. When firefighters arrived, the flames were as high as 40 to 50 feet, and it took 80 firefighters an hour and a half to extinguish the fire. It was so intense that the identification of all the victims needed to be done using dental and medical records. Wow. Yeah. The coroner actually had only identified probably about three quarters, like two thirds, three quarters of the deceased. Um, and then a later report came out that they were able to identify the other three. Um, three were missing when they identified the first six um, because it was just a complete right. mess complete in there. Cluster, yeah, they yeah. couldn't, wow. they, they, you know, all of their flesh had burned. So they had right. no fingerprints to be identified. Their, right. their faces could not be identified. So they had to go by other means. And so they had to use dental records because your teeth your teeth stay intact um bone stays intact when you are burned um unless it is so hot like in um an incinerator right exactly yeah when you're getting cremated or something like that so um so thankfully they were able to identify who the victims were um but unfortunately some of them died by fire yeah it wasn't right. just right. gunshots that um killed most of them actually um so it, it, it i was reading that it they had said that um a fireplace had um something in the fireplace exploded when mm -hmm. he set it on fire so they really had no chance 
Yeah, I don't know exactly what that was. I couldn't find a full report on that. Um, but I don't know what a, what in a fireplace would explode. I don't know. But, uh, uh, so he had know. placed something there, but quite possibly. I, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That's tough. They probably had to call in uh, medical examiners from like other counties to go through that. I mean, if there were that many people, quite possibly, and they were yeah. that badly, mm -hmm. they would have to have had a forensic team of of twenty or thirty people in there sifting through remains. Yeah, they definitely would have need to needed to call in um, forensic anthropologists to yes, exactly to identify if how many remains there even were, how many yeah, bodies right, there were. Yeah, because you don't know Correct. how many individuals are there. So exactly. you have to sift through a, a pile right. of remains. If they know that, you know, 20 people attended the party and, you know, 10 of them, they were able to find after the fact, they were able to identify after the fact because maybe they survived, then they still have 10 missing they don't know if all 10 of those people are going to be found right. within those right. remains. And so. maybe people don't show up for the party. Maybe people bring extra people that weren't invited exactly. to the party. So you got to do, you know, you exactly. have to go through absolutely every cubic millimeter of remains. Exactly. And I mean, there could be piles and piles and piles. So right. Right. So there's rough. quite a lot that they had to do to get through that and be able to find all of the mm remains and because keep in mind the house burned down too so there's right. there's the house all of the materials from the house there's all the wood and the superstructure and everything in the house is falling down on top of Correct. them too i mean just recovering a, a live person from a collapsed structure is difficult enough right now it's all just charred and burned blackened together exactly you can't even tell what's the couch and what's the guy Correct. So. exactly exactly so it's all about just trying to find bone yeah. Just trying to find bone and matching it up to see if, okay, you have a left femur and a right femur, but do they even look like they're the same right. size? That could right. be the left femur from body A, and this could be the right femur from body B, and they're, they're not from the same body. So there, there was a lot of work that had to be done in order to, A, just find out how many there were, and then also then identify them. And, and like I said, it took them a little while to even figure out the rest of them. They had identified six of them and there were three that were missing that they hadn't identified yet. And then later down the road, they were able to, to finally identify them. So it was a nightmare. Yes, exactly. So after the attack, um, Bruce changed out of the Santa suit and into street clothes and drove to his brother's home, approximately 30 miles away. He was later found there, dead from a self-inflicted gunshot wound. It was believed that Bruce planned to flee to Canada as he had purchased an airline ticket prior to the incident. So not only did he now rent this random vehicle for no apparent reason other than to, not, to be inconspicuous yeah. when he was approaching the house he also they they believe he also was planning to leave the country and not via this vehicle he was planning to probably abandon the vehicle get on a flight head to canada and uh you know and and he's also dressed as santa so he's trying to be inconspicuous there because 
it's Christmas Eve and you're right. going to a holiday right. party. Nobody is expecting right. you not to dress like Santa. I mean, being right. dressed like Santa is a normal thing. On it's Christmas reasonable. Eve. Yeah. It's yeah. not, it's not conspicuous. It, right. Exactly. So he really, he was, he, this was clearly premeditated. I mean, mm. he made a, a flamethrower. Yeah. He, he, yeah. he knew exactly what he was doing. Yeah. He knew exactly where he was going. It, it, it just. Yeah, yeah. He brought gasoline with him, brought racing yep. fuel with him. Yep. So, I mean, yeah, is obviously that was intended to destroy the house. Right. And he had two nine millimeters gift wrapped. And then he had two other nine millimeters, mm -hmm. I guess, in his pockets or something. So he brought four guns with him. You know, he probably didn't know how many people were going to be at this party and how mm -hmm. much ammo he was going to need. So he just. Yeah. And I mean, it's weird. So first of all, it's weird to bring more than a couple of guns anyways, because you just reload the one gun. You can't use four guns and you're not going to use two guns either. Like maybe you bring one as a backup or whatever, but you, you can't use four guns. That's stupid. You just bring extra magazines and reload them. I think because he had the two gift wrapped, he maybe had some kind of sick idea in his head that he was going to have a couple of people alive and give them the pistols and like make them shoot each other or something. Who knows? Something crazy like that. And he just, he lost track of his plan and had to just jump straight to the flamethrower. Or if he felt like he lost a gun, like maybe something were to happen and he, it, he, had he would fall. Them. And I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know yeah. what his thought process was when it came to the weapons themselves. Yeah, it's, it's hard to get into the mind of someone who would be willing to do something like that. Right. <laughs> right. And there were so many reports that not necessarily that this was um, a bad relationship that he had with Sylvia. Um, obviously they, they divorced. So clearly something wasn't working in their marriage and they cited irreconcilable differences. So again, something wasn't going right. But from what I could read, nothing really mentioned anything about them having like a tumultuous relationship mm -hmm. or anything like that. Um, however, when they were divorcing, it seemed as though he was very angry about the money. It, everything that he was saying to people seemed to be about the money right. that he was having to pay her, you know, however much money per month, um, that he owed her the 10,000 from their settlement, um, you know, all of these different things. And it was always about the money, the money, the money. So I guess he figured if he got her out of the picture, he wouldn't have to pay her anymore. But then it's like, well, now you have to spend the rest of your life in jail. Right, right. And you're not really going to be able to use that money. In his case, he ended up killing himself anyway. Right. So, and he had the plan to go to Canada too. Yeah. So it's like, I mean. Yeah, I'm not, I, I, I don't really understand his thought process at all. I, yeah. I don't know where any of it was coming from, where he was trying to go with it. And again, this was this was clearly premeditated. So he thought this all out. So again, to like to think, I don't know. It was it, yeah. it's it's very strange. I don't understand it, but yeah, I mean, like I said, it's hard to get into the mind of someone who would do something like that. So right, <sighs> exactly. But enough about Bruce because he was a garbage human. Yeah. Of that D-bag. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the victims and survivors of the attack. 
Sylvia Ortega Pardo was 43 years old and she was killed by a gunshot wound. She was one of the last to be identified. Alicia Sotomayor Ortega, Sylvia's mother, was 70 years old and she was killed by a gunshot wound to the abdomen. Joseph S. Ortega, Sylvia's father, was 80 years old he was killed by multiple gunshot wounds. Charles Ortega, Sherry Lynn Ortega, James Ortega, Teresa Ortega, and Alicia Ortega Ortiz, Sylvia's siblings and in-laws, were also killed. And Sylvia's 17-year-old nephew, Michael Andrew Ortiz, died in the fire. All in all, he killed nine people. And the siblings, I could not find official reports on their causes of death, um, but I believe they died in the fire. Katrina, the eight-year-old, made a recovery. Wow, that's a silver lining. <laughs> yes, after being shot Jeez. in the face. <laughs> yes, she made a recovery and her mother, Leticia, was physically unharmed. She actually was able to, as soon as it started, get out of the house. She made the phone call and she told them, I know who it is. Even though, again, he was, he had right. the whole, the full, he had the glasses, the right. wig, the hat, the beard. He was fully covered. She knew who it was. Well, if he spoke, then she would recognize the voice. Yeah, but I don't know if he spoke. I didn't see anything in the reports about that, but that, no, that's obviously that's a good yeah. point because yes, she would recognize his voice being his sister-in-law. Um, but even if he didn't speak, she was, she, she just knew she called yeah. the police and she was just like, I know who this man is. And she obviously knew why he was there. And, you know, he, he, he killed her entire family. He killed her entire family. Um, so, So others that were at the party were able to flee without much injury. Um, most who got away were unharmed. Um, one, I believe, jumped off a second story balcony and I think broke her ankle or something okay. like that. But so, you know, minor. Yeah, you got to do what you got to exactly, do. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Somebody comes in and is shooting. Get out. You just you leave however you can. Yeah. And I know we've said this before, but if you are downstairs, don't go up. Yeah, don't <laughs> do the thing that they always do in the movies where they go up to the roof and then they trap themselves. Right. Like, we we mention this all the time. Brain. Like, I'm assuming that girl was already upstairs and she did the right. smart thing of getting down. <laughs> right, right. Getting to a lower level. You don't want to go to a higher level because then you get trapped. Yeah. You want to go to a lower level. And always run if possible. Don't hide. Like, I know that that's one of the th four things they tell you to do or whatever. Like, one of them is hide. Don't hide unless you absolutely have no other choice. Right. Yeah. Because if you're hiding, you're a sitting duck. If you can yes. open distance, exactly. you do that. Exactly. You get as far as fast as possible. And listen, <laughs> a, a, a broken ankle, broken foot, it's nothing, it's nothing compared nothing. to losing your life. So yeah. if you can... Get Go. out, jump off that balcony, yeah. <laughs> however you need to get out you of that situation. You break your ankle, you won't even feel it until an hour later. It's true. Two you're, hours later. Your adrenaline's going to be... Then you'll be like, oh, 
Jeez. Yeah. Your <sighs> adrenaline's going to be so high at that point that you're yeah. not even going to know yeah. what is happening. Just be yeah. So ultimately nine people were murdered that Christmas Eve in 2008 because of domestic violence. Mm. It's no good. No. And I know that we did the statistic in another episode, but a victim of domestic violence is 500% more likely to be murdered if their partner has a gun. 500%. Oh, yeah, it's about five times easier to kill somebody with a gun than not. But they're more, <laughs> yes, but I mean, they can strangle them, they can stab them. That's hard. These are also other, yeah, but strangling is one of the major ways that somebody will kill mm. in a passionate mm -hmm way um but yes so they are 500 percent more likely she had been staying with her parents they divorced she left i believe he got the house she was living with her parents and that's where this this party was and um he uh, he was he was mad about it he was mad that she was living with her parents that she didn't have a job right. and that he still had to pay her right but i mean that's life Right. That's divorce. <laughs> That's divorce. That's how that works. <laughs> Try not to get divorced. Right. I mean, you know. That's, Try that's... not to get married in the first place if you think you're going to be divorced. Yes. <sighs> that's our advice. <laughs> um, so we have a little over uh, 20 minutes left. So to lighten the mood, um, I'm going to, I'm going to, Give you all some some stories of some weird Christmas crimes from the past. Oh. Some of these are really like WTF moments, and some of them are just some of them are very funny and ridiculous. People are ridiculous. Yes, yes, they are. <laughs> Try to stay away from people. Yeah, I mean, it shouldn't be hard right now with the pandemic. Stay yeah. away from people. All right, so a 44-year-old South Carolina woman was charged with domestic violence after stabbing a man with a ceramic squirrel on Christmas in 2013. Charleston County Sheriff's Office deputies found a man covered in blood when they arrived at the North Charleston home of Helen Williams. This is supposed to lighten the mood? Oh, it'll get better as we go. Williams claimed that the man fell and cut himself. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but police said that the stabbing occurred because she was irate that he didn't bring home beer. Huh. That's a reversal. Usually you hear about some some alcoholic nope. husband. You didn't bring me my beer. I'm going to stab you now. The wife stabbed the husband. The wife was mad that she didn't get her beer, so she stabbed him with a ceramic squirrel. All right. Who has ceramic squirrels? Like laying around the house. Creepy. People. Isn't that normally like an outdoor thing? Uh, yeah, unless you just have ceramic animals. Like, those are the kind of people that have dolls. Oh. No offense if you have dolls, but offense if you have dolls. The dolls are <laughs> creepy. I'm sorry. Like, if you have a whole room just for dolls, you probably have a ceramic court. Yeah. Don't stab people with it. Oof. Rosa, Rosa did um, a podcast episode about the man who was literally digging graves and then turning the bodies into Victorian dolls. Oh, yeah. 
That's creepy. Oh, yeah. And he yeah. lived with his parents. Well, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> and his parents were just like, yeah, he likes dolls. They're so uh, lifelike. How old is he? Oh, I don't remember. Rosa, if you're watching, can you? I don't remember. <laughs> Let's assume he was 47. <laughs> yeah, he was not like yeah. 20. So right off the bat, you got to know something's wrong. <laughs> And then number two, that he's into dolls. Yeah. Come on, mom and dad. Yep. There, it's. Should have seen that one coming. Yes, Trish said WTF. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. No. Not. It's no bueno. Not okay. Not okay. So the next story. Um, this is a Florida man. Well, yeah. <laughs> we have to have one of them at least. At least. <laughs> According to police, a Florida man faked a heart attack in the aisles of Jacksonville area Walmart. And of course, it's Walmart. Yeah. <laughs> in December. Um, I don't know what year this was. Um, creating a distraction as an accomplice bolted with a shopping cart full of children's toys. Among the pilfered items were a motorized toy car and a Barbie glam vacation house. Mm. Yeah. Fancy. The dastardly pair... 27-year-old Gerard Dupree and 30-year-old Taurus Scott somehow neglected to account for security cameras at the entrance and exit. Well, you know. And the cash registers and the aisles. They're Florida <laughs> They're men. Florida men. <laughs> and these security cameras, of course, captured every moment of this shoplifting extravaganza. Wow. And this heart attack. Right. Both were arrested soon after, and they were charged with grand theft. Yeah. 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 So, um. Grand theft. How much stuff did they take? I don't How know. How expensive was that glam house? <laughs> Barbie stuff is expensive. And, like, I had the cruise ship, and I know that, like, that was probably the only gift I got that year because it was expensive. Uh, and it was, like, this big. Right. And uh, Barbie, like real stuff, not just the Barbies themselves. Yeah. Well, the Barbies themselves are pretty expensive too. Um, but their stuff is expensive. Right. But I don't know. I mean, I don't know what like the law is in Florida, but a grand theft is like 10K, isn't it? Yes, I believe so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They sold $10,000 worth of children's toys. They may have. Dang. <laughs> Florida, man. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. A New Hampshire resident, Heather Blum, and his girlfriend... Oh, I'm sorry, Heath. Every time I read that, I want to say Heather. Heath Blum. He was a man. And his girlfriend, 24-year-old Randy Young. I think that's why, because she has a... Rand, yeah. Generally, a, 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 male, a typically male name. And, and his name is Heath, but I always read it as Heather. My apologies. I'm going to read this again. <laughs> New Hampshire resident Heath Blum and his girlfriend, 24-year-old Randy Young, were arrested in 2008 after a yuletide fracas. I love that word. Fracas. Over a Nintendo Wii left them both bloodied. Ready? Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Another Reasonable. ridiculous story. Blum, 26, reportedly asked for a remote control airplane for Christmas and was dismayed to receive the popular gaming console instead. The couple argued and a brawl ensued. 
When Young went to leave, Blom allegedly grabbed her hair and in retaliation, she turned around and hit him. He wanted a remote control airplane. And she got him a Wii and he was mad at her. First of all, you could eBay that Wii for like three times as much as that remote control airplane. Yeah. Second of all, you're a 26-year-old man and you're complaining about what you got for Christmas? And I'm sorry, this is 2008. So Wii's had like just come out. Oh, yeah. They were That's what I'm saying. You could expensive. eBay that for a grand. Crazy expensive. Yeah. Yeah. You get a grand for that. Buy yourself two nice remote control airplanes. Oh, and also World Cup. Yes. Like, yeah. Yeah. I got this sweater for Christmas. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's a nice sweater. It is a nice sweater. I like this sweater. But she should have punched him. Good for her punching him. She did. He grabbed her by the hair and she turned around and hit him. Clocked him. Yeah. Good job, lady. But they were apparently Randy. both bloodied. Like, I don't know how, what yeah, I don't know how she got bloodied. I don't either. Mm. But literally, he was mad because he got a Wii instead of a remote control airplane. That man needs to get hit. <laughs> I'm just saying. 26 years old, and you are asking for a remote control airplane for Christmas. Yeah, now let's assume for the moment that he's mentally competent, because right. otherwise I feel bad maybe making yes. fun of him. Absolutely. Let's assume he's mentally competent. You only need to grow the Go, bro. <laughs> Seriously. When you turn 18, you start getting sweaters for Christmas. And come on, remote control airplanes, they're not that expensive, right? And just go buy one. You're yeah. 26. I get was, a job. I was going to say, like, can't he just go buy one? Yeah. Get a job. Buy yourself a plane. I have remote control trucks in the basement right now. <laughs> you you have remote control airplanes up here. I have a, uh, yeah, I have a quad rotor right there. Yeah. Yeah. The dogs like it. Yeah, that's why I can't it's, fly it anymore. It's really a toy for the dogs. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So our next one, a mall Santa in Atlanta huh, nah. wasn't spreading the Christmas spirit when he beat up a woman with a two by four. Jesus. <laughs> Mary and Joseph. Police said that Elkin Donnie Clark, 49, hit 74 year old Annie Ruth Nelson in the face. And knocked her unconscious. Clark said he did it because Nelson had stolen $145 of Hershey's chocolates from him. I kind of doubt that. That's like 19 pounds of chocolate. She's 74. She can't carry 19 pounds She's of chocolate. 74. Right? And she apparently stole all of this chocolate. But according to news reports, um, no one could confirm that that actually happened, that she actually stole this chocolate from no, him. she didn't steal the chocolate. No. No. It's highly unlikely that she actually stole the chocolate from him. She can't carry. <laughs> what did you say? How much? $145. She can't <laughs> carry. She's 74 years old. She can't carry $174 worth of chocolate. No. 145 45 Whatever. <laughs> She'll break a hip. Yeah, quite possibly. So Clark was arrested and charged with two counts of aggravated assault. He should get more than that. Yeah. He hit an old lady with a two by four for stealing chocolate. Yeah. Yep. Some boy should go upstate for that one. What? To a federal penitentiary. <laughs> to like Attica? Somewhere. <laughs> Somewhere bad. <laughs> he hit an old lady with a two by four. He did. He did. He hit a. You're yeah. a bad man. You should go to jail. Yeah. 
he knocked her out. He well, hit her yeah, in the face. She's 74. He hit her in the face, though. It's not even like he hit her in the leg and like yeah. broke her hip. He hit her in the <laughs> face. Yeah. Yeah. Don't be swinging on all ladies. Uh, no. So good. No. So in 2011, a man named Terry Trent of Dayton, Ohio, this is one of my favorites, got blasted on bath salts, walked in the back door of his neighbor's house, and decorated the place for Christmas. That's cool. He lit candles and tastefully arranged them on the coffee table and kitchen table. He even hung a Christmas wreath on the garage door. <laughs> and he relished in the merry scene by blaring the television while playing with some toys under the tree. Cool. As, like a, as like one guy. does on, on Betzel's. Yeah. The sounds from the TV woke an 11-year-old resident of the house who went next door to inform his mom about the strange man downstairs. That's cool. Yeah. I'd be like, thanks, bro. So you hear all these stories about people on Batsalts who are like zombies, who are like eating people. Right, and, eating faces. Yeah. And, this dude was like, I'm going to decorate this. Decorating zombies. Cool. Yeah. That's my favorite kind of zombie. And then he was found playing with toys. That's cool. Yeah. Nice. Nice. I don't know how old he was, though. I'd be like, dude, you want to set up the trains? Right. Those things are hard. That's a lot of work to set up those, those trains. Right? Yeah. I think it's fun. Nice. Good for him. Yeah. You know what? I don't think I would necessarily mind that so much. Like, that's a lot of work to decorate your house. Yeah. So, like, if I woke up and, like, somebody had already decorated my house. A deco zombie? Yeah. I'd like, be like, thanks. Thanks. Thanks a Turn lot. Turn the TV down a little bit. Yeah, right. Know. I'm just I'm trying to sleep. Hook them up with some Bose headphones. Turn it down a little bit. Those wireless noise-canceling joints. Yeah. And so the last little bit, a Chilean, oh, Chandler just burped, I believe. Um, <laughs> a Chilean woman reportedly informed her neighbors that she had picked out the best Christmas tree and her kids were going to have the best holiday ever. It turned out. I feel like that's not what happened. It turned out that the tree was a giant cannabis plant. <laughs> ah, that is the best Christmas ever. So, um, yeah. Nice. That's our that's our horrible nightmare Christmas story, and then some. Yeah. Some fun ones yeah. to lighten the mood a little. Give you a little bit. laugh because it's the holidays, and we really shouldn't be thinking about terrible, horrifying Bad things. Stuff and, yeah, yeah. So, um. Well, puppies. Yes. So <laughs> puppies. <laughs> There's Chandler. He hello. wants to come say hello. Hello. <laughs> hello, people. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, that's all we have. For right now actually um we ha still have about 10 minutes left of our time um but <laughs> i think i think trish liked your little face mm. um but we are going to um skip doing a psyche saturday this weekend because we have obviously been doing so much for the convention um so psyche saturday is not going to happen tomorrow 
Don't worry about that though. We will try to get two more in next week. <laughs> Trish, I don't actually know if they smoked the tree. I was curious about that as well when I could not find that answer. <laughs> I'm sure they smoked some. I'm of sure it. they did. Yeah, I'm little, sure little they bit. a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um we are uh going to be part of the Canada versus the United States in a half hour. So stay tuned for that. Um, and uh, as always, you can find us at our link tree on all of our social medias and any of the podcast platforms that you listen to at linktr.ee slash Blackbird Advocacy. And obviously our Instagram is scrolling at the bottom of the screen. Yeah, we have to do that higher. Hold on. That's better. <laughs> I feel like I was like really low. Anyway. Um, so yeah. And uh, this is the episode of Blackbird that we're going to put out this weekend and all December long, we are actually going to be putting out Christmas or, or holiday themed um, true crime stories. And unfortunately, because of the nature of our podcast, they will be quite morbid and, and maybe stories that you don't want to hear, but stories that need to be told and stories that need to be talked about so that we can open the discussion again about sexual assault and domestic violence. And um, so that's going to be all, all December. And then once we hit the new year, which is crazy that it's already almost yeah. 2021. I thought it was nuts when it became 2020. <sighs> yeah. Now we're almost done with I, it. Thank wow. God, oh, I know. This year. This year has just been nightmarish. Um, so January is National Stalking Awareness Month. So we are going to be doing stories all month, um, about stalking cases. And, um, we are hoping to have one of my very good friends on to discuss her ordeal with stalking, um, I don't want to announce who she is because I have not asked her yet. <laughs> but when I do, I mean, she has already said yes to coming on, but we have not discussed a date. So I don't want to, I don't want to preemptively say anything if she's not available. Um, but I am excited. I hope that she is able to come on for that month because that is, stalking is a serious issue. And um, I, I don't think it's taken as seriously as it should be. Um, and it's, you know, it's another one of those in that kind of trifecta like sexual assault domestic violence stalking they're not taken seriously yeah especially stalking because you think like oh you're not doing anything to the person but like you're going to do something right and that's the problem mm -hmm. you know a lot of times with when when it comes to reporting it to the police the police will say you know we can't do anything about it if they're just harassing you there's there's nothing that can be done you know if they're just standing across the street from your house or they're just sending you a text message or they're just right. messaging you uh, over the internet um there's not much that can be done about it so they literally are telling the victim wait until something harmful happens to you 
Right. Wait till you get stabbed, then call us. Right. Wait till you get injured or or what or someone in your family gets whatever it is. Um, right. And then you can make a real report. Right. And it's really sad. Um, but we are gonna talk about, you know, things to look out for. Um when it comes to stalking, as well as, you know, ways to um, defend yourself against it. Um, it. It's kind of hard to, especially nowadays with the internet. <laughs> um, internet stalking is a huge, huge, very prevalent thing. But it's, it's, again, it's something that needs to be talked about. We have to open the discussion. We have to understand that this happens more often than we know, than we think. And we have to understand how to look out for it in order to stop it. So that's that's what's going to be coming up through the next couple of months. I am super excited about it. I, I think we, we really finally, you know, caught our stride. And I think it's... It's been a good ride in 2020 so far for us. I mean, we started this in April, I believe. And uh, it's been exciting. And we're, we're, we just found out yesterday, I guess, that we uh, we were listened to in over 18 countries. That's cool. Um, I didn't know that people in, like, Greece even <laughs> knew we existed. But, yeah, people in Greece are listening to us, um, as well as other areas, like like Canada. Um, and, and the UK and Ireland. And so, um, we're, we're very grateful for people listening to the stories that we tell and listening to the conversations that we have and listening to the survivors, because that's the most important thing is, is again, understanding that you are not alone. If this has happened to you, if this has not happened to you, good, thank, thank Thank your higher power, whoever you believe in, that this has not affected you in that way. But I can guarantee it's affected somebody that you know. So we need to we need to continue talking about these things and uh, and not make it taboo. Yeah, because if we ignore it, it's never gonna get fixed. Right. That's just that's a fact. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So with that, I think. We're gonna we're gonna sign off. So thanks guys for for watching, for listening, and uh, we will see you in about fifteen minutes for Rowdy Roundtable, mm. Canada versus the United States. Canada wins. Shh! Don't say that. All right, guys. See you soon. everyone i am nick and i'm russ and if you're looking for a podcast about current events that's well informed highly educated and safe to share with your whole family that's not us nope it's not but here at the nick and russ don't know anything podcast we have an opinion about everything and don't mind sharing it that we do new episodes every wednesday and saturday check us out at nickandrust.com and find us on apple spotify iHeartRadio, and many more including youtube thank you and i love you all Mwah. 
We are Pod Jerky, two Canadian buddies serving up multi-flavored audio jerky in every episode. If you like good times, strong coffee, maple syrup, swamp donkeys, hockey, the outdoors, common sense, dogs, conspiracy theories, sports, and life in general, then subscribe and follow our podcast and check out our social media channel at Pod Jerky. Pod Jerky, make it a double.